Hello and welcome to the Niler Nine Podcast. It's episode 90 of the Niler Nine Podcast. Myself and Andrea are here. And I just surprised you with that fact, it seems. <laughs> oh, open up the can. <laughs> I, I, I got one of these. Um, Do you ever get those little, uh, little IPA things? I have not. Are they any good? They're fucking lovely. I got this orange, plunged orange pale ale oh. from the ha- Hatherwood craft beer company they're only one something and the orange one is lovely i love i love i love an orange or tangerine ipa i have to say Mm. ultimate hipster over yeah because i was getting that they've they've a couple of different flavors but um this is the only one i really like because i'm a bit funny with all these this ipa business um but i like this orange one those ones are lovely there's a couple of nice brands uh that do those kind of orange or tangerine ones or citrus ones even they're really nice Uh, i should look into more of them what do you what do you have there uh, i got a lagunitas uh summer ale so I did so because it's nice oh, and summery. That. So that's what summer ale. we're having a we're having a drink on the podcast. So what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah. Uh, we have uh, up for discussion. We have uh, Austria's new album, which uh, has a kind of uh, very strange title, which I currently can't remember, but I'm going to remember right now. It's called High Rudin, fourth album from Canadian artist uh, Austria. We'll be talking about that. That'll be our album of the week. Got songs from Jesse Ware, Arca, Hayley Williams and Participant coming up. Um, but first, it's been a fairly busy week considering lockdown stuff is... Uh, well, before we start into that, I have to ask. Uh, yesterday, you tweeted... This is, this is the thing of our times, right? You, you, you tweeted... All men look cute when they need a haircut. <laughs> there are no exceptions. There are no exceptions. Please explain yourself. Uh, right. As a man is, who really wants a haircut, I need to hear this. You look great. Like, so the thing is, whenever, even, you know, in the before times, whenever I'd run into a friend who was a man and I'd be like, God, your hair looks great. Without question, without fail, their response is always, oh, I'm literally, I'm getting a cut tomorrow. I'm like, I think men just look best when they're just overdue a haircut. (laughs) So all these men now are on Twitter and Instagram doing selfies, doing selfies, I sound like my mother, taking selfies and being like, I need to cut my hair, I need to cut my hair. And I'm like, lads, you all look great. This is like, this is a very enjoyable time for me. And so I put put it on my Instagram and the amount of lads that like responded to me with their... uh, like with their pictures of their hair just being like even my hair is my hair cute and I'm like yes even your hair is cute <laughs> lean into it lads you don't know the power of the need a haircut do <laughs> fabulous maybe it's just your personal preference though yeah but that's you know that's the only one that matters to me right now sure is, sure. is that and Fair you know enough. I've been dealing with you know being around men with hair that's too short all my life this is my time okay <laughs> this is, and I can't get outside and look at them well I'm desperately um seeking a haircut this week I think because I'm starting to get those curly really? bits at the back that make me feel like Bono they look great they make me feel like Bono yeah. and I hate them well do you, I mean just do the back you don't need to do the top of it or anything oh you get an opposite mullet <laughs> yeah <laughs> just the leave fade. it just leave it yeah I'm, I will probably just because I want it uh this week I'll probably mm. get it but uh yeah I am tempted I, to I'd it, say but... the best course of action is for all men to just grow their hair and then we'll just we'll round you all up and just shear you. Yeah. When this when lockdown's over, and then you can run around and uh, <laughs> and do whatever it is that you meant. Yeah, you're gonna. <laughs> well, you're gonna brand us. We with can paint all go in and get well. our colours. <laughs> yeah, we'll brand you. He's sheared. He's done. Okay. What, run out in the field there now. 
Um, I'm so free. Yeah, like a, like a sheepdog has had his hair cut. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Anyway, uh, well, anyway. Well, there's been a lot of things happening other than haircuts or desire for haircuts this week. Um, we had a very quick um, spat, an Irish music spat that happened and then quickly dissipated. They shook hands. It was Dickie Rock and Johnny Logan. So so I sort of missed this. Oh, it was over before. Slash was not that. I, I wasn't really bothered clicking in and finding out who said what. Okay. Um. So I thought maybe you could explain to me well, and maybe other okay. ignorant people who might be listening. I tell you what, what happened. It was Johnny Logan. I think it was interviewed by Roisin Ingle for the Irish Times, and um, he said a couple of things about Dicky Rock, which is just it's just it's actually gas, and it's kind of like um, you know, uh, Phoenix Knights or something like that. Be that kind of idea where these two, you know like performers are at each other's throats or something like that they're just like uh-huh. you know digging each other in the press so this is what johnny logan said about dicky rock what would dicky rock know about being a musician my life was a lot different from dicky's dicky's idea of an international tour was having to have a gig in england <laughs> i love dicky but he's a legend in his own head he lives in a fantasy world um logan finished his interview saying he'd hoped he'd keep his hair and uh, there you go, <laughs> hair again, and outlived Dickie Rock, who was 17 years his senior. And when Dickie was asked about his, he said, uh, would he give... So sorry, just just on, on Logan there, was this kind of apropos of nothing? Yeah. Like, or have he, they had for some a, reason, he was asked about Dickie dispute. Rock. No, they apparently they're right. friends. This is the whole thing. This is the whole oh, thing. Oh, right. Okay. So okay. Uh, Dickie Rock in response uh, was asked, would he give Johnny a hug? Because he sounded like he was sad or, so, or something. So... He said, give Johnny a hug, I'd give him a fucking box. <laughs> I'm 82. <laughs> Even now I'd give him a box. <laughs> so that's what Dickie said in response. And then uh, Johnny Logan put out a statement and said, last week I did an interview with the Irish Times newspaper in which I was asked to make a comment about a statement that Dickie had made. I don't know what the whole context is. It doesn't really matter right now, does it? It's all over. I told a reporter that it was none of our business, which was fair enough. But then we went on to make some remarks about Dickie, which at the time I meant jokingly. I regret those remarks and oh. now apologize to Dickie. Dickie and I have been friends for many years and I hope that no lasting damage has been done to our friendship. He's an Irish icon and has my respect. Okay, well, there is one other thing I have to point out because uh, the thing that I thought was really funny was that uh, the, I didn't put it in here. They they kind of go on, like Johnny Logan starts talking about how he sang for Pope John Paul, the Queen of England, Prince Charles, Diana, and all this kind of stuff. I toured with the Royal Symphony Orchestra. I've done the London Palladium about 20 times. Top of the Pops about 14, about 14 times. So he knows how many times he's done it. Get, Di- get Dickie to match one of those, you know. Um, so... In response, in uh, Dickie Rock's response after this, he said, uh, in defending himself and thinking about the, just going, doing a gig in England, he said he sang at a gig in Carnegie Hall, as well as for Michael Smurfit when he became an honorary consul to Monaco, referring to Ooh. Smurfit as Irish royalty. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. It was like, well, he, he sang for Prince Charles and who's our equivalent? Michael Smurfit. So there you go. Michael Smurfit. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I I like that the phrase uh, giving someone a box is still floating around out there somewhere. It's a, it's a fantastic turn of phrase, I think. I haven't heard it in a long time. Me neither. Summer phrase uh, 2020, for sure. Yeah. Um, Hits on my box. Well, you can't be boxing people now. No. The distancing. You can't. But, you know, I mean, there are always exceptions. <laughs> That's true. You can always yeah. Who, who would you rather fight? Um, Dickie Rock or the other one? I feel like, uh, well, Dickie Rock is 80, 82. <laughs> <laughs> is he? 
Yeah. I mean... <laughs> okay. So we're going Dickie Rock then. <laughs> no, well, Johnny Logan is 17 <laughs> years a senior, so he's 71. Oh, well, yeah. I so mean, it shouldn't, it's, he, it's, shouldn't it's hit either like you don't fancy your chances against Logan. I, I won't hit either of them unless provoked. Okay. <laughs> I feel right, like Johnny fair. Logan would be taller than me, though. Um, okay. I must check his height. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what height do you... Um, okay, well, I'm all caught up on that now. Okay, Thank you. Well, there you go. That's what happened this week. In other Irish news, um, the inevitable happened. Electric Picnic announced that it is officially cancelled, as we expected. Uh, cancelling our festival has become unavoidable, and we fully support the Irish government's ongoing measures to help fight the spread of COVID 19 and protect lives at this time, is a statement that came out. Clearly, probably not um, written by Melvin Benn, who, as you remember, in June said, or in, in April, I'd say, when uh, March, was it March or April? In March, he said, uh, when, God knows when the now. festival was announced, <laughs> I think from June onwards, we'll definitely be over the hump of it is all my view. As I say, I'm not a scientist, but I think we'll be all over the hump. And I think we'd be enjoying an incredible summer across the board. Um, yeah. And he was right. He was just in a different way. <laughs> um, yeah, so... So yeah, the inevitable happened. Yeah, it changed the tune there. I mean, yeah, it, it was inevitable that it was going to happen. Um, at least they put out a decent statement. Um, and obviously I feel very sorry for the people who were supposed to, you know, play and organize and people whose jobs it was. But um, I don't know. I'm not going to cry too much of a river about Electric Picnic being cancelled um, when you know our priorities kind of yeah you need to need to just kind of oh this is inevitable um but and then you know this comes on the uh back of the fact that uh you know uh primavera was the other one that was really hoping to get uh to go keep going um but that Mm. is also but i think like fest festivals like primavera and electric picnic will survive this oh yeah is is what i mean it's like it's not it's not as much of a blow for them as it would be for the smaller festivals that had to cancel pretty early on in the crisis. So um, well, pretty aware they had already moved from May to August, uh, thinking that it wasn't going to last that long. Um, and now they have rescheduled completely citing force majeure. Um, and I'm not sure if that's just a term they used or some kind of insurance clause that they have in their insurance um but most people don't have that insurance it seems but it's going to happen june tw- what what does that mean that phrase uh, exceptional circumstances essentially oh, right, foreseeing okay. like acts of acts of god essentially is what they acts of god yeah, yeah i suppose it is an act of god well yeah but it depends on whether they have it in their insurance obviously that's a lot of money either way to to put it in there or to pay out so um i'm sure to be if it is in there there'll be some contestant um, for sure. Uh, so and do we know with Electric Picnic, is there is there refunds available to people or is it just a, yeah. a straight up reschedule? It's the same as most other festivals. You can get a refund or you can keep your ticket for next year. Um, so that seems fair, I think. Um, yeah, that's does, what most yeah. people want. Um, it seems like it'll be the same lineup uh, in terms of headliners anyway. Then... Um, this year, so next year, so what that is going to do in terms of the uh, festival uh, lineups is interesting because that means that uh, there's going to be less room for, I mean, you're basically having this weird temporary year where no artists are going to break through and do anything. Uh, and that's a very unusual. Uh, yeah, I saw an article during the week. I don't have it to hand. I don't know who wrote it and I don't know for where, but it was... Um, 
discussing the idea that, you know, uh, yeah, I think it was maybe about the keynote in Cork and somebody had said, you know, it's going to be so much harder for smaller acts to actually get bookings in venues now when things do go back to normal because these venues are going to have to make their money back. Um, and the best way to make their money back is to kind of, you know, book sure things in terms of getting people in the door. Um, so I think that's that's going to have a really lasting effect and it, that will obviously spill over into festivals as well, like slots that would have been fit, um, filled rather, um, by breakthrough artists or, you know, people just kind of taking a shot on a band or an artist. Um, they mightn't, they, they mightn't have the kind of financial leeway to kind of do that now, which is a shame. Yeah. It's, um, it's been really interesting just to watch that. And then we talk about venues, you know, like, and the reality is now our thoughts are starting to turn into how, if gigs do come back, how they will actually happen. And, um, you know, I'd say a lot of people in the venue, uh, live music industry are currently talking about this and considering this. For example, Give Us the Night, um, the campaign uh, to improve Irish nightlife, released a nine-point plan this week, which details some of those kind of ideas that they think the government should implement, including pop-up festivals, easing of licenses, removing of uh, special exemption orders. So it's going to be very costly for anybody. It already is costly to run a venue and run a night, and especially a late license. So I can understand, and I fully support, the idea that now is actually the time to amend trading hours and and fix those kind of things, allow for different licenses, um, those kind of things. Um, the District Aid actually announced a lineup of uh, a local talent for uh, their reopening party. Now, there's no date for that yet, but there is a lineup of whenever, whatever Friday cool. or Saturday they said they're allowed open and, and they can make it work. This is what the lineup will be. So they've announced that and they're actually giving the money to the artists in advance, which is cool. Um, So that's, that's a nice really thing. Cool. But it remains to be seen when that will happen. But uh, what is what was supposed to happen actually this Friday in uh, Arkansas in Fort Smith, this uh, country rock artist Travis McCready of the band Bishop Gunn was due to be the first American artist to perform a socially distant kind of uh, post-COVID first wave gig uh, in a sold out Ticketmaster show, Ticketmaster sold show this Friday night. Um, and they had a number of things in place, a uh, number of rules in place, which I'll go through just to give you an idea of what it could be like when maybe we get back to doing gigs here, what the requirements will be. I should say before that is that this gig actually is not going ahead. It was issued a cease and desist from the governor of the state, but largely because the lockdown doesn't isn't lifted in that state till May 18th and this has happened on the 15th so I think that's the major reason why it's not happening so these are the rules as well as the two feet or two meter social distant rules and and keeping people two people two meters apart as a precaution uh, the restriction from Ticketmaster's guidelines for selling this gig including the gig was sold at only 20% capacity it's a 1110 cap and they were going to cap it at 229 um, presumably to allow for staff and all that kind of stuff as well ticket buyers will be allowed to enjoy the gig in groups but only in restricted fan pods they're called each pod must be at least six feet from any other nearby pod and no pod can exceed 12 people so 
Now that's kind of just reminds me of some kind of like table service or something you might see in a club, but you just have to keep your distance. Um, everyone will be required to wear a mask throughout the entire performance, and those who don't have a mask can purchase one at the venue. Um, all beverages will be pre-packaged or have a lid. Don't know how that's going to work if you have to keep a mask on you the whole time. <laughs> Necessarily. Cans. I don't know. Probably. Yeah, maybe. Cans. Just sipping it. Um, temperature checks will be taking at taken at the entrance of the venue. Anyone using balcony seating will not be permitted to use the elevator. And all hallways and corridors will be one way only. Bathrooms will be limited to 10 people at a time. And all soap and paper towel dispensers will be no touch. Venue has to be sanitized by independent third party prior to each event by fog sprayers. So before and afterwards, the venue has to be completely sanitized. So that could be the future of live music uh, until there is a vaccine or there is some um, kind of movement in terms of uh, fixing the uh, or reducing the uh, says COVID-19. nothing there about moshing. Well, any moshing? It sounds like you have to sit down, and that's about it, or you have to stay within your pod. No, it doesn't specify, but I I gather you can't really do anything like that. The few things that I've seen recently in terms of events are like the drive-in things and. I don't know about you, but, you know, I wouldn't really want to go to a drive-in gig uh, myself if you're in your car. I mean, you might get sound on the stereo, but you still have to look through a windscreen to look at a performance. And it, No, we don't, ever, uh, we don't really have drive through anything here because we don't have the climate to drive convertible cars. No, um, but there, so there is... We don't, we don't really do it here. Um, the team behind Bingo Loco just sent out a press release this afternoon uh, called Drive-In Events and driveinevents.ie and they say they are planning and doing um live shows and comedy and entertainment and movie screenings um in drive-in events this summer and they have plans for different cities in Ireland apparently so that Dublin Galway Kilkenny Cork Waterford Limerick are on their website i don't know how that's going to work practically yeah but uh so yeah just on the the socially distant gig there i mean i can see that working for quite a um like a, an acoustic show or some you know you could go to see the antlers like that um yeah. this is the same as like what we're talking for about dinner it, in a show you're like can't necessarily yeah it doesn't suit everything no no and it, i mean that will probably not suit the vast majority of artists um but like you could imagine it working with some artists so that's something i suppose but i mean for the rest of them for bands who rely on um that sort of you know crowd that like kind of a, a messy atmosphere it's going to be a long time before they get that again um which is sad but like i'd go to like a lisa hannigan or a fionn regan or something um if if it was those kind of guidelines i probably would but then again you know i think even just the idea of being in a room with other people is still so far away from where i'm at like even just being in the post office makes me nervous now these days so like and especially like when you when you start you know introducing alcohol into it you can imagine people will get a little bit absolutely god yeah and you can already tell like people are being lax in um for some reason in supermarkets i think because you keep queue in to get to them, their people are not really maintaining their distance there. And I've I encountered that a lot in the last uh, couple of weeks of people just like wandering around and not being uh, aware or uh, of, of their actual surroundings and who they're near. And Oh, come here. I nearly had a run in with a couple last week in Little. 
because they were couple spreading beside me while packing their I actually might have talked about this last week I don't know you didn't no. they were pa- okay well they were packing I've, I've actually I've told this to so many people that I can't remember who I've told it to but they were packing their groceries you know at the like window thing and I was packing my groceries and I was there first and they come over with their trolley and just like stand like right beside me and then all their stuff everywhere and I was like lads can you maintain distance of course I didn't say that because no. I'm a coward. <laughs> I just moved like right beside the bins, you know, where you put all your your Did you like, at least exhale loudly? that you don't want to bring home. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I might have done a, a tut. And I oh, hate good, tutting. Good. Like I, it drives me crazy. I hate it. Can't stand tutting. But I think I might have tutted. It was the right thing to do though. Um, right thing to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think people are getting complacent and I think when the restrictions are uh, lifted a little bit next week. You're going to see way more of that. And that's a concern. And then I sort of, I kind of turned turned around and saw one of the staff people. And I looked at them as if to say, like, can you not do something about this? And then I was like, hang on a minute. No, it is not their job. <laughs> they have enough on the road. But I did have this moment of like, they should really do something about this. And then I was like, no, it's, re- it's really not their job to do this. <laughs> like, they have far too much to be worrying about right now stop being such a coward (laughs) (laughs) well you touched on a couple of reasons uh, a couple of things were there that we're going to talk about in terms of my reason to be cheerful Um, so it's time for reasons to be cheerful 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 one two three Okay, so uh, I guess really there are small moments to be cheerful um, at the moment. And one of mine is kind of sad, but also good. Um, So I don't know if you read yesterday, Dave Grohl wrote a piece for The Atlantic on the power of live music. And it was just a really nice reminder of what we're missing. It could be sad in a certain context, but at the same time, it was just a nice read that really made me feel, yes, there is something to look forward to. There are live music does matter live experiences do matter and why do they matter because he goes into talking about the intimacy of shows and even if it's in a huge stadium he talks about a a u2 gig actually i'll read a bit out for you um when you take away the pyrotechnics confetti of an, an arena rock concert what are you left with just people I will never forget the night I witnessed you two perform what used to be called the MCI Centre in DC. This was their 2001 Elevation Tour, a massive production. I waited for the lights to go out so that I could lose myself in a magnificent state-of-the-art rock show. To my surprise, the band walked on stage without any introduction. House lights fully illuminated and kicked into the first song beneath their harsh, fluorescent glow. Without the usual barrage of lasers and LED screens we've all become accustomed to, the brilliant move stunned the audience and began an unforgettable concert on a very raw, personal note. This was no accident, mind you. It was a lesson in intimacy. Without all the strobes and lasers, the room shrank to the size of a dirty nightclub at last call, every blemish in plain view. And with that simple gesture, we reminded that we we're all indeed just people, people that need to connect with one another. I thought it was just a nice piece that, you know, sad and because it's what we're yearning for. 
um, and especially in our industry. But at the same time, um, I just thought it was a really well written piece that gave me a nice buzz. And uh, the other thing that gave me a reason to be cheerful this week was uh, the Matt Damon interview on Spin One Hundred Three Eight. Just like it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like it's just like we're fawning over oh. Matt Damon because he's here. But I know uh, he seems like a lovely man. He said Leo Varadkar was uh, a badass, and you can just imagine Leo Varadkar to us. God almighty. Yeah, no, I love having Matt Damon here. It's absolutely gas. Like, it's... Just... Two months. <laughs> two months he's been here. <laughs> two months down in Docky. Mental. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice part of the world to be in. Docky's oh, lovely. It definitely if is. If it does, you know, terrify me. I learned um, he has his, uh, his... He has teachers for his kids staying with them as well. So, like, he's... Oh, does he? He's doing all right. He's doing all right. That's gas. So, him as kids and these teachers, is it? Yeah, and his wife, yeah. They're oh, and the there. wife. Yeah. Right, okay. There you That's go. And he said his uh, his eldest daughter isn't there, but she actually did get COVID nineteen very early on in college, um, but she's okay. We should try and try and get him on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> if, he, if he's doing spin, I mean, surely. Well, apparently they've been aggressively looking to talk to him, and so much so that you, that doesn't sound even, like them. Even sixty year old Bono himself heard about it, and uh, to, and told Matt Damon to to look them up. So there. That's good. Um, reasons to be cheerful. Um, I I don't I don't really have much this week. Uh, I do I did enjoy the Robert Pattinson GQ interview. Did you read that? No, I didn't. I just saw some tweets uh, about Robert Pattinson, and I wasn't sure why. It is a, a portrait of a man who is losing his mind. Uh, it was done in in isolation. Um and it made me cheerful to know that Robert Pattinson doesn't know how to make pasta and he googled a recipe for microwave pasta because he doesn't know how to cook um so that that made me happy but yeah he's he's such an interesting person like he's always been a bit you know a bit wild um so then that that spurred me on to go and watch the um Robert Pattinson um what do you call it? A commentary on Twilight, and nobody <laughs> hates Twilight more than Robert Pattinson hates Twilight. Um, so yeah, you can find some clips of that on YouTube, and he just and then like I watched like a super cut of him just throughout the Twilight like press interviews, and he just hates it so much. He hates every minute of it. He hates the story. He thinks it's stupid. It's really really fun <laughs> to go back and look at that. Okay. Um. Yeah, that made me cheerful this week. Also, I I'm I think he took all of the photographs himself for the interview. And they're stunning. Like they're amazing photographs. Oh yeah, that was the one um, I saw. It was somebody's <laughs> Okay, that makes more sense now. Because <laughs> the tweet was basically somebody going, uh, it was a picture of uh, underneath him and it was like this captioned this and it was basically uh a microwave uh, pasta about to go in in the microwave. Okay. Yeah, I was like, ah, right. That, yeah, that makes that more makes sense. sense now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they must have sent him out some decent equipment to take the photographs and lights and things like that. But um, yeah, it's a really, really cool interview. Like, I think if you don't know much about Robert Pattinson beyond him being Edward Cullen, you should definitely go and read it because he's, he's, you know, the man's an artist. Like, he's he's such an amazing actor um and a really truly odd guy um which i like good very good um i have a surprise for you if that's 
everything that you have in terms of cheer. Yeah, um, that's all I have. I, What's this? I I don't think you were, uh, you did the quiz last Friday, last Sunday, did you? No, I was quizzed out. Did you see anything yet? Because I was going to ask no. you some quiz questions that I No, haven't I seen anything. Go on. Um, so this is in a, uh, the, I did a quiz on YouTube, uh, the 99 Music Quiz on Sunday, and uh, you were who very won? close. Um, who won? Um, or rather, Rob... my re- my real question is, how did Louise Bruton do? <laughs> oh, very poor. Very poor. Ah, Louise. Ah. She was in like 50th or something like that. I can't remember. Oh, my goodness. It was. it was outside of the top 20 for sure. She was, yeah, very disappointed. Um, ah, get him next but, time. Yeah. Um, somebody called Bobby Dazzler won. And Phil Udell came second. So Phil Udell, formerly of State Magazine and of currently of Word of Collective, came second. So, uh, yeah. So I'm going to ask you five, just five questions from the quiz. I'm not going to get anything, Niall. Okay. Well, I I can give you, I can give you the multiple choice if you prefer. All right. Um, Okay. Yeah. The first one, the first one is a very easy one. I I don't think you'll need it. Okay. Ask Um, me the question. And then if I want the multiple choice, I'll ask for the multiple choice. We'll do the opposite of um, who wants to be a millionaire. Who wants to be a millionaire. Exactly. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Who was hospitalized this week after tearing his buttock bustles in an overenthusiastic garden incident? Is this a musician? It is a musician who was hospitalized after tearing his buttock muscles in an overenthusiastic <laughs> gardening incident. Um go on, give us the give us the options. Is it Rod Stewart, Brian May, Elton John, or Pete Townsend? I even before you read them out I was like I bet you Rod Stewart is in this list so I'm gonna go Rod Stewart I don't know if it's right but it seems likely I'm surprised you didn't see this uh, no. uh this headline this week it was actually Brian May no said, way please please don't send me sympathy I just need some healing silence for a while <laughs> <laughs> best story he's ever written yeah Okay, second question. Okay. What is the name of the Guns N' Roses children's picture book that was announced last week? I can give you the options if you prefer. Uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, well, um, I, I There's would a very obvious it. Guns N' Roses song that would apply to this. Okay, I'll um, give you the options. I don't like options. Guns N' Roses. Okay, okay go on. Grand, grand. Uh, is it A, Don't Cry, B, Sweet Child of Mine, C, Paradise City, or D, Welcome to the Jungle? I Sweet Child of Mine, Paradise City, Welcome to the Jungle. I'm going to say Welcome to the Jungle, and then it could be a picture book about the jungle animals. Um, Incorrect. The answer is actually Sweet Child of Mine. Ah, that's too obvious, lad. I know, I know. So uh, it's a Jennifer Zivian illustrated book that pulls this narrative from the lyrics of the Guns N' Roses song of the same name and follows the adventures of Maya and Natalie Rose, the niece and daughter of the Guns N' Roses manager, Fernando Liebes, who have grown up touring with the band. That sounds captivating. Yeah. Okay. Third third question. Oh my god, you, I have to get at least one of these. Okay, Jesus. I'm gonna ask you five. Uh Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody and Procol Harms A Wider Shade of Pale both feature what word in their lyrics? This uh, these are two of the biggest selling uh most popular songs of all time. I can give you what's the options. The, what does the second song go like? You know, it starts with <laughs> like an organ and then it goes turns a shot wider. <laughs> I was gonna say shiter. <laughs> a wider shade of pale. Um, will I give you the options? Yeah. Okay. Is it A, Scaramouche, B, Fandango, C, Galileo, or D, Mermaid? 
you, you kind of need Mermaid to know the Mermaid isn't the fir- in the Bohemian first... Rhapsody. <laughs> Very good. So it's not that. No. Uh, Fandango, Scaramouche. Um, what's the other one? Galileo. Do you know? Do you know the Procol Harum song at all? No, mm, I don't think see. so. Okay, the first line is basically the giveaway of the song. Okay, right. I'll say Galileo. It was Fandango. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, is it? Is that that that? Uh, what's the first lyric? Uh, I'm watching this quiz. I'm so sorry. It's <laughs> okay. Where is? Uh, let me get the actual exact lyric. Um, just to read it out to you. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Lilix. We skipped the light fandango. That's the first that name. song, yeah. is it? I should have known yeah. that now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I have two Look, questions left. Two questions left. One is one is a Kate Bush one. Will I give you that one first? Yeah, go on. Okay. I'm not confident. What, what age was Kate Bush when she wrote "The Man with the Child in His Eyes"? Oh, she was like she was really young. She was. Uh, yeah, yeah, g- uh, give us my options. Okay, was she I want to say like nine, 13 or something. 13, 18 or 21? 13. Correct. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> okay, the the last one now is a bit of a trick question because you're not going to be able to know the answer off heart. Um, but I, well, that just, sounds great. <laughs> so it's a multiple choice guess. Um, okay. Okay, so how many umbops are sung in the Hanson song <laughs> umbop? Uh, all is right, it? hang on. Right, how are you defining an umbop? Because the just second, the, no, just I don't the count umbop. the do do wops. Okay, or the do bops. It's umbop, just the very first bit. And then there's the part that I like in an umbop. You're gone in an umbop. You're not there. So they do say it a few times. All right, yeah, go on. Give us my options. Okay, twelve. 16, 17, or 18? I'm going to say 17 because it's an odd number. And I reckon they probably say it in a verse where they don't say it in a chorus. I'm probably, I'm completely wrong, aren't I? You are correct. You are correct. Yeah. (laughs) They actually say it in the the fade out. Yeah, because it's an odd number. I'm like, they'll probably throw in an extra little umbop. Okay, very good. Yeah, it was in the fade out of it's in the fade out of the song. They actually say it uh, uh, just as the song is fading out. You can hear it. So there you go, there you go. Well done. Two out of five. Two out of five. And you're in the impromptu quiz. I actually used. um, I remember before you asked me some questions about band names. I had a whole round about original band names. So I thought it would be unfair to do those. That was in the old old office. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was ages ago. uh, Yeah. I use I had ten questions about those and some they're really surprising ones in there as well. I don't know if we did you tell me this in the first place, but um the band um Goo Goo Dolls used to be called um the Sex Maggots. <laughs> no, I didn't tell you that. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Okay. <laughs> and then you know the band Creed, Up you know the Christian. Rock? Iris by the Sex, the Sex Maggots. Maggots. Yeah. Ew. And then, uh, what was the other band? Oh, Creed, the American like Christian kind of rock band. Um, they were originally called Naked Toddler. <laughs> oh God! Oh. Very strange. Yeah. Okay. It's as good so a reason as I need quiz. to give people a second chance. I think. Yeah. Yes. Thank. Thank you very much for my quiz. 
Okay, very good. Okay, it's time for Songs of the Week. Our first song this week is from Participant. It is called Oh No, Give Up. I made peace with pleasantries With minding my own mind Sitting still and sleeping late Just hemorrhaging the time Small comforts gleaned from blinking screens Stretched out on the floor Oh no, give up You wrote this song before I pick a point and focus I'd run my lines each morning I'd slip away most afternoons If I were you If I were you If I were you Okay, that was a new song from Participant. It is called Oh No, Give Up. Who is Participant? He's a Dubliner called Stephen Tiernan. Um, he has had a number of projects out, a um, number of tracks out and EPs and things like that in the last couple of years. Um, this song actually was one of my favorite of his I've heard so far. It's definitely one that struck a chord with me. Um, and I know that you're a fan as well. It's an inspiration from uh, the artist Inner Monologue. And Stephen says, um, when I finished the song and started planning the release, I had no idea the circumstances we'd be living in now. The title and chorus uh, lyrics intended as an overly dramatic warning to myself. An attempt to breed levity into other moments now seem to recontextualize the song as a whole. This was not my intent, but I feel I have to acknowledge it. I had considered renaming or tweaking the lyrics, but maybe moving the release, but I feel it would have defeated the purpose of the song. The song is not about giving up, but striking a balance between where you've been and where you are. Yeah. So you're... I really like this Um, I think yeah the second verse in particular kind of the lyrics in there that I made peace with pleasantries with minding my own mind sitting still and sleeping late just hemorrhaging the time small comforts gleaned from blinking screens stretched out on the floor it's kind of amazing that he didn't write this during the current crisis but I suppose I, I, I enjoyed kind of drawing a parallel between the, the the kind of the immediacy of of these words in a crisis and then just how how immediate they still seem when they're you know not a global crisis and they're kind of a crisis of the self um I thought there was a really cool kind of parallel there and it's a really pretty song it's a lovely melody I always enjoy his voice he, he has a really um engaging vocal kind of timbre that I really enjoy and it's um yeah, you know, musically it's pretty, uh, instrumentally anyway, it's it's pretty straightforward, but it just has this really nice kind of warming um, yeah. vibe to it. I hate using the word vibe, sorry, but like warming sort of sound um, to it that is, yeah, it's lovely. It's a really, really lovely song. Yeah, I think this is my favourite kind of, of what I've heard from him so far. And I think it's because it's so direct as well, like it actually, surprisingly, because I do actually like the kind of atmospheric stuff he does, but I think this actually works uh, best for him. 
um certainly in terms of what i've heard so uh, i really enjoyed this um your this is your second choice actually uh for songs of the week it is yeah. from paramore uh singer who has a solo record out Haley williams this is a song called simmer rage is a quiet thing oh, you think that you tamed it but it's just lying and from Hayley Williams I was never really a Paramore fan um I think sometimes I found her voice a little bit grating um in that style I mean but I'm undoubtedly she's always been like a talent like her 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 voice is so strong I just never really enjoyed it in the kind of Paramore context but this release now um I've only listened to the album through once and this was definitely the song that stuck out for me it reminds me a little bit of selena gomez's first release when she did her whole kind of like i'm a grown-up now thing uh called good for you um in that it's, it's sort of minimal and um a little bit off what you'd expect but i think here there's there is a little bit of throwback uh especially in the guitar line in the second verse and how her voice bends around the word fucker uh but she just sounds so much more controlled and i think it serves the statement of the track um really well that being you know protecting yourself with kindness and softness and and femininity and that being a a brave act you know the wrap yourself in in petals image um i really like it's a really highly produced track away from that kind of emo new metal thing from her past but i th- i think it, it's it's a sound that really suits her um, I, I, I like her paired back a, a little bit more and I, I like her kind of being a bit more wrapped up in production. I think her voice sounds really interesting and it's not like she's just sort of yelling all the time. It's she's she's actually has a really beautiful lower range um voice and there's a lot there's a lot more dynamic range um on show here and I think the album's really cool actually I mean like like I said I only had one listen through but I was very very surprised with how much I enjoyed it I did not expect to like it but yeah she said the song is about specific kinds of abuse and revenge she's received in her life uh, personal experiences with types of abuse uh uh, what I'm trying to do for myself more than anyone else is reframe my anger and try to learn from it instead of pretending it isn't there. Ask what it wants. The answer is almost never what you think it's going to be. I think musically, um, yeah, I guess I was a little bit surprised by this. It's because it kind of sounds like it could have been a lot of different people. It doesn't really stand mm. out itself. 
um you know like paramore itself obviously the band make very uh, emo centric music and that's cool and obviously you're going to want to branch out if you do solo stuff but uh i kind of felt like this was like a cool like indie artist that i hadn't heard as opposed yeah. to you know Haley williams from paramore you know what i mean yeah had, which is why i liked it <laughs> yeah okay. yeah yeah, I, I, I like the difference. I think it was a cool step for her. And I think it's kind of showing that, you know, she's she's growing up a bit and she's growing out of that um sort of emo thing, which is fine. Um, she was obviously very successful with it, but um yeah, I, I just I, I like the idea of her going forward and maybe becoming a kind of an albums artist. Um and being successful with that and I I think with this she'll definitely maintain the fan base that she had initially but she'll like people like me who maybe didn't go in for Paramore maybe felt a little bit old for Paramore or maybe they were growing out of the emo thing when Paramore were were around um might actually pay attention to her again because she does have serious pipes on her um but it is nice in a way to hear her be a little bit more controlled and what is the name of the album? The album is called. It's loading. Uh, Petals for Armor. <laughs> Petals there for Armor. There we go. There we go. Okay, that's our second song of the week. Uh, our third choice this week is from Arca, and it is a song called Non Binary. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. But you got the bags to prove it. Hips to move it around and make shapes, yes. Trim the waist off and the waist down, girl, it slipped off. It's French tips wrapped around a dick. Did you want to taste? I don't give a fuck what you think You don't know me You might owe me A bitch you'll never know me Ask me how I got here But you work hard Ask me about my luck Yeah, I've been lucky Man, I've been unlucky It's both Don't push your shit on me Bitch, I'm special You can't tell me otherwise That'd be a lie Who do you think you're dealing with? No, cause you're not dealing with. There's no deal. Bitch, it's real on my side. Go ahead, speak for yourself. Go ahead, speak for yourself. Cast the first stone. If you wanna be a puppet. Better yet, speak for yourself, states. 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 That was Arca, the first song from our forthcoming album, Kick Eye, which is uh, comes after a 60-minute single track simply entitled At, 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 At. Um, what can I say about Arca is that she is a Venezuelan producer and artist, very much a multidisciplinary artist, um... Who was responsible for one of the one of the gigs I absolutely hated? I, I like a body and soul a couple of years ago. I just oh. was not in the mood for this. Um, yeah, I was really looking forward to seeing it, and then I got there and I was like, "This is total gibberish and awful and terrible." Um, I just wasn't in the mood for it, and um, it was kind of maybe because it was more like a really out there alternative drag show as opposed but it wasn't even like that it was more it had elements of a drag show but it was also just like it i th- honestly think it was just like somebody um talking gibberish over an electro beat half the time with then some ambient music and i really like 
Arca's earlier stuff had a lot of textured kind of ambient music and really big kind of sounds to it. But uh, this is interesting. I think this is this nine binary track has a lot to say. And it, Arca says it talks about speaking for your self states in the track and has that kind of, you know, militaristic kind of kick drums and, and things in it. And I really like this because it sounds like something that it isn't like anything else. It sounds like completely its own thing. Uh, Arca has worked with Bjork before, clearly another artist who is uh, capable of world building. And I feel like we're about to maybe hear an album. I hope we're out to hear an album from Arca, which has that kind of ele- those kind of elements to it, where it's very world building and completely its own thing. Obviously, coming from uh, like the title suggests, non-binary, we're talking about an artist who has transitioned over the last number of years as well. So, and he's also doing quite interesting things in terms of fan support and stuff like that. Not only just a Patreon, but also has a Discord, um, kind of audio chat and and uh, message board where fans of Arca can gather and chat. Um, So Arca says about this song, uh, it's all about bringing together all of these different facets of the self and her work uh, without being beholden to anyone. It gives me the feeling of possibility to not allow for easy categorization. I wouldn't want to just go pop and I wouldn't want to go full experimentalist. That's where a non-binary mode of thinking feels really fertile. It opens its possibilities rather than collapsing things, allowing for change without resisting it. How did sure. you find Arca's non-binary? Um, I I really liked it. I kind of found it um a bit difficult to get my head around at first. Um, but I can't really resist that kick in when it happens. Um, the I mean, I guess the thing about this track is that it feels way more of like a statement of intent regarding an album or almost like, you know, a preview that isn't really giving too much away around an album. Now Skype did have a little bit of a shit fit there. So I missed a little bit of what you said, but I did hear you say the word album. So you might've made this point already, but yeah, this, it, it might, this might make a little bit more sense in an album context, I think. Um, but I think, yeah, once, once the track kicked in and I started like getting my head around what she was doing with like what, what was musically happening, I found that really kind of interesting and captivating. The only thing was I wanted a bit more of it. I wanted to kind of see her go a little bit further, um, in maybe the third third of the song like the last third of the song um I thought maybe it ended a little bit soon but it it felt like a preview you know it felt like a um just just something to kind of tease our interest that gave us a little bit less than what a single does um I didn't really know this artist before but I will definitely check out this album off the back of this because I think that she's obviously an artist that has something cool to say like visually the the music video for this is like very out there and cool very Bjork inspired there's definitely some parallels there with like Grimes as well so um I mean in, in terms of like visual stuff I'm like really interested in in what she has to say in that sense so yeah I'll definitely check out the record I don't know if it's going to be like entirely for me but um I did find this track a slightly challenging listen um 
initially but then once I sort of kept going back to it and just sat with the lyrics for a little bit I was I started to kind of get what was being said I think yeah I think for me I really appreciated the directness of it compared to some of Arca's previous work which um it may be challenging feels like like it's more on the level of challenging for the sake of it as opposed to trying to say something real and I felt like this was trying to using interesting ideas and, and using interesting sonics to say something interesting and then combining it with a with a video that is really interesting and very unique and individual and we're talking about Arca an, an artist who seems to be developing in her own complete visual style and like it's almost like the underground or kind of equivalent of the little monsters what's going on there with Arca and uh, her fans and on discord and patreon and twitch and stuff like that so it's really interesting to watch all these artists at the moment use zoom and twitch and stuff like that to really reach out but discord is the first time i've seen that being used as a platform to connect um people and i think that's really interesting yeah so uh, i must have a look at that a bit more did you see so, um what's your name amanda palmer announcing her split from um what's his name the writer um neil gaiman neil gaiman on her patreon um and apparently like he didn't know anything about it (laughs) like he he had like come to the uk or gone to the uk um and she was in the us and like the impression you get from reading it is that like they were taking a bit of time away from each other or whatever then she just puts up on her patreon like yeah we've split up i'm really sad read more about it behind this paywall and it's like Amanda like would you not do yourself at least one favor ever like but yeah just on on artists using different uh but <laughs> well, she's she's a whole other story I suppose but um yeah but yeah has... this is cool arc is cool I will go back would you recommend going back to older stuff or just yeah there's definitely really interesting music that arc has released over the years I was I'm not au fait with all of it. I've definitely given everything a listen, but there's only a few tracks I'd really go back to regularly. But I think there's enough there to suggest that Arca is a really talented sort of visionary artist and there is that potential there. Um, so uh, I think Bjork recognized that as well by working with her. So I think you're going to hear more. So I think it's going to be an interesting one this year to hear that album. I don't think there's a date for it just yet, but... Uh, uh, I don't see a date for it just yet, but uh, I'd say it'll be soon. And definitely some of the artwork and stuff like that looks like, kind of reminds me of FKA Twigs as well. Yeah, the um, video as well was a little bit FKA Twigs, I think, yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, and more of that, please. It's always good to have those kind of challenging artists doing kind of completely different things and uh, trying their own paths. So that's cool. Um. Our next artist is going to be a little bit more safe than Arca. It is Jessie Ware, who has a new song out called Save a Kiss.
so that was Jesse Ware. Song is called Save a Kiss. Uh, Jesse Ware has been releasing a lot of uh, tracks leading up to the album, which is called What's Your Pleasure? Long awaited uh, follow up. Uh, it's coming out on June 19th. And the thing about Jesse Ware for me, I've always found is that I love her voice, but I feel like if she just can find the sweet spot between um, the kind of lovely R&B and kind of Sade soul she does and um, the kind of like she's really good at, at jumping on club bangers like when she did with Disclosure back yeah. uh, a few years back and then she had an, a track out with the bicep produce called Overtime I think that's great so this is more like somewhere between this is more like a Robin-esque pop banger than anything she's done recently um, but her voice does lend herself very well to that kind of club environment as well but she's also has the shade kind of coolness going on as well so i'm looking forward to hearing this album overall but i was actually the last she had a song out the week before called ooh la la which i really liked and um i there's a couple of people involved in the album who would pique my interest um james ford from simian mobile disco joseph mount of um metronomy uh, adam bainbridge of kindness and there's a few people in there. Benji B is involved in Mirage, Don't Stop. Um, and so I'm just interested. I really want um I really want a really good album again from Jesse Ware. And I think she has she has that ability, so hopefully we get it. Mm. It's funny, today I was uh I was listening to this track, and Jesse Ware is an artist that I never really connected with a whole lot and I think it's probably because of what you mentioned there is the idea that I I don't think she's I don't think she really has a niche like I think she she does she does the R&B thing like with her when she kind of turns her vocals a much more soulful she obviously has a really beautiful voice she does that you know well enough she does the the dance bangers like this well enough but I I don't know I I haven't found and anything in her music so far anyway and you know I haven't delved in very much this is very much just kind of me going off her you know her most popular tracks on Spotify or whatever um but I remember thinking today I was like she doesn't really strike me as someone who is an albums artist and then I read an interview with her and saw that she had an album that was nominated for Mercury Prize so I I think maybe she's just like passed me by or something um uh, I think I think in fairness to you she has never released a really great album she's always mm. had great singles here or there great mm. features but the albums have always been a little bit too safe I found um, yeah so I think that's, that's the thing is that her. she does strike me as somebody that's very safe I think this is a pretty safe track um it's it's good. It's good for a bop, you know, but um I don't I don't know if it like if it would make me that interested in hearing the album. I will say she seems like a cool gal. Um I know she's got Have you like listened a to food her podcast. podcast. Yes, yeah, I think yes. I've listened to like a couple of episodes of, of her podcast and she just comes across as like really sound and I, I want to like her. Um I sorry, I, I want to like her music. I like her. Um but I guess it's it, it it's a mixture for me between her playing it safe a lot and not really having a niche that um that I th- think that somebody with her voice kind of deserves to have like I I do love her when she's on like on on that disclosure track I thought she was amazing like I think she should be doing stuff like that um and then also 
just sort of it not being my uh sort of genre of music either so her music kind of gets a little bit lost for me in that way L- like I said I, th- I think this this song is it, it's more than fine you know it's good it's it, it's it's a good bop um if it came on in a club I'd sing along but um I don't I don't think it's a song that I haven't heard before either yeah you know? I think that's fair um I think her best work has generally been the work that has either been remixed of her original stuff or the stuff that she's done with the likes of Subtract uh KDB she did a song called Aaliyah as well that's that was a great song I like that song yeah like so yeah she has done those kind of things. She's well able for those big, um, big moments, and uh, she's well able for the softer moments as well. But I think my favorite, personally, and that's think what I'm kind of saying is like I do struggle a little bit with the, the niceness of it sometimes. I just want it to be a bit more, less polished mm. here and there. Um, so I'd be interested to see what the album is like. Uh, when it comes out, it's called "What's Your Pleasure," and it's out on June nineteenth. Okay, it is time for our album of the week this week, which comes from Austra, which is a Canadian artist, Katie Stelmanis. Uh, this fourth album is called High Rudin. It is the follow-up to 2017's Future Politics. And um, this is a song from it called Anyways. That was Austria. Song is called "Anyways," the fourth album from Katie Stelmanis. Um, there have been a number of these tracks released in advance, and uh, I have to say, it did feel like I wasn't sure where this album was going. I've always liked Austria's music for its combination of her operatic vibrato voice and its the kind of more clubby tendencies as well. Uh, here, what we're getting is kind of different for Austria. Um, and I guess for a lot of people, it's been put across as a really positive thing. Um, it's basically about, this is an album tracing a personal journey towards regeneration after a breakup, uh, dealing with the fallout of a toxic relationship, uh, queer shame and insecurity. Um, High Rudin, or however you pronounce it, I'm not sure, is named after the peptide released by leeches that is the most poty, potent anticoagulant in the world uh high rooting is about the importance of the of the healing of the self letting go of harmful influences and finding the power to rebuild uh for the first time um samanas usually works with um 
a couple, three or four people in the live context, but very much Austria is her project. But uh, and has she's been the sole producer, but uh, this time she was uh, worked between Toronto, London, and Spain with co producers Roddy McDonald, who people would know for the XX, as well as Joseph Chapasson, um, who I'm not familiar with. Um, but I find I struggled with this album now. I have to say, I was really looking forward to it. I've always liked the extra albums. The first album was called A uh, Philip Break from 2011. I remember seeing her at um, Super SOS that year when I was there, the year before 2010, and really exciting. I loved her voice. Her voice cuts through a lot of different things. Um, the album Olympia came in 2013, and I really enjoyed that as well. And less so probably with Future Politics in 2017, but I, I did enjoy a lot of that song. Here, I'm finding there's not a lot here to grasp onto for me. I don't feel there's many highlights of the album. It's her best, like her best work. It's her voice, that vibrato voice that dominates and lingers in the memory. But I'm finding less musically here that I'm really interested in. She's been always very good at those kind of electro pop kind of bangers or like really emotive, heartfelt stuff. But I'm finding surprisingly because of the album being uh, more personal. I'm feeling it like it's less, it feels less personal to me somehow. Um, and I think that's just the way she sings. And I think, I don't know, I think the music doesn't quite match the f- feeling and the emotion that she has in a lot of her best work. Uh, there's a presence of live percussion here. There's a lot of piano work as well. Um, so it's less clubbier, but it also feels in a way, like we're talking about Jesse, uh, where in a way it's kind of safer in a lot of ways. It doesn't feel like it really stands out an awful lot. I think where it does succeed is probably lyrically a bit more, but, but having said that, I don't think it, an album's lyrics really succeed if you have to read the genius page or the liner notes to to really get the meaning of it because I think she's kind of singing them in a way that I don't quite um, get the sentiment of. There's a real disparity between the sentiment of those songs. Like There's there's songs here, like one of the first ones she's... Uh, obviously, it's a, talking about a breakup or a toxic relationship. You make me so angry. I love you. I love you. Come back and change this shitty feeling. Every word of mine deserves to be acknowledged. In a song called All I Wanted. It's what you did when you secretly called her. You went out on a date and you lied to me. And a song called uh, Your Family. And when your family comes back to town, you know what you'll say when they ask about me. And on paper, they sound interest- like interesting lyrics, but... On paper, they sound like Julia Jacqueline lyrics. Yeah, but there's no, there's none of that kind of really heavy crushing emotion that you get from those in the songs. It very much feels like she could be singing anything. Um, and it's, you don't really get that, those deep sentiments here. It's lacking that good punch of a, a, an artist like Julia Jacqueline who uses the music in that way to really underscore that point where here I feel like they don't quite gel at all for me. And I was a bit disappointed. So maybe it was one of those things that was very cathartic for a songwriter, but uh, I'm certainly not connecting much with it after about four or five lists. Mm. Yeah, you know, I I actually I agree 100%. I think like she does have that kind of Florence Welsh duality of a voice that is classically trained and, you know, using strings and harp and so on with pop hooks and electronic moments. And there there are songs on this that I like. I like it's amazing and I really like the opener um anyways, which we we played at the at the top of this. I think it has a really great hook. The the vocal harmonies are great. The melody's really strong it's actually dynamic and it it builds to something worthwhile. And I like the chorus. It's that kind of 
unapologetically kind of 80s pop nearly um it's cheesy and it works really well um and i also really like the final track on it messiah which has i think an interesting take on the idea of like a savior i liked that the melody sounded like a religious song that you'd learn in school um that that worked really well for me but i think where she loses me is in the mixing i think particularly her vocals in the chorus of um how did you know sound buried um and then you have these sort of very instrumentally sparse verses that don't really go anywhere they don't pay off they don't, they don't feel like they build too much and she's an artist that you know her harmonies are great and that song could have really done with some more of them um yeah i i, I agree with you in, in terms of like you know connecting with the album's concept it felt too thematically sparse for me um and I think musically as well I wanted variation in her vocal work a bit like she's working with interesting instruments and the bones of a very good sounder here but there was a certain kind of like depth or resolution or complexity of theme that was missing for me I think maybe I wanted like less dance and more classical influence or less classical influence and more dance but either yeah, way I don't think it falls the enough. balance of the two yeah. styles was just off kilter to me like I think it just the the two didn't gel or meld as well as I wanted them to, and the the good moments, the the songs I I, I mentioned there that I liked, I do really really like. Um, I think I I think that that opening track, you know, when I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, I could really get into this album, and then it just it it just sort of went all over the place for me, unfortunately. And yeah, like like you said, it it might have been a cathartic sort of um moment for the artist and that's that's great but I I certainly couldn't connect to very much on it unfortunately um which is a shame because I think yeah the the blueprints for a good album are here but they just weren't laid down yeah and I think in that way it kind of does feel a bit more like a uh a kind of a pivoting album an album that is uh the first point in a regeneration perhaps for we're talking four albums in from an artist who has pretty much defined her sound uh, very uh, I mean it's been very you can tell exactly her voice cuts through a lot of things you could you know what kind of person she is um, and here it does feel like a pivot to something new and maybe that something new isn't quite this yet um do you know who produced the album or is it yeah no it was self-produced or, herself what? and then uh roddy mcdonald who did um the xx and another guy called joseph shabason who i will google now and just check who he is yeah, I mean, I, I guess for me, the, the production was maybe, I don't know, I think there was there was decisions made about maybe some arrangements and um, instrumentation that I I just, I think they were maybe the wrong decision. Like I said, sometimes her voice is buried when it really should be, it should be foregrounded. And then other times there's no dynamic in her voice. It's, you know, she's, she's at a 10 and she stays there for the whole song and it's it's it sort of lacked it, it lacked any kind of moment where it it hit me you know that that really great moment especially with with such a strong vocalist you expect to have those moments of like tingles and shivers when they really you know nail those notes 
Um, but I didn't get any uh, from from her on on this. Like, I mean, my favorite track was the eighties one. You yeah. Know? Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, Joseph Chavazan actually contributed to um, bands such as uh, Destroyer on the War on Drugs and is best known for playing saxophone. So there you go. Um, that's mad. That piano- like you you got Diana. Like, sorry. It's it's mad that you've you've got you know producers that work with the XX and then you've got like like Destroyer and so like bands that are known for like very strong production that I I don't know I I I think it's really lacking on this. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough, and that's I can't imagine myself going back to this an awful lot at all, and that's a pity because I'm a fan of Austria, and I do feel like um, there is some really good music there, in and especially the first album, uh, there's really good uh, tracks on the third, second, and third albums as well. So definitely worth a listen. But overall, yeah, this isn't really doing it for me, um, and slightly disappointed. I think what are we going to be talking about next week? We're talking about. Um, Probably Perfume Genius and maybe Charlie. Yeah, Charlie XCX has now met next week, so we'll see what that's like. That's her isolation album. Okay, we will finish uh, the album of the week with a bit of the song uh, Mountain Baby from the album, which also features a kids' choir uh, from the Wilkinson Public School in Toronto, where Katie, from aka Eustra's mother, is a teacher. was Austria song is called Mountain Baby and the album is called High Rudin and that is the fourth album from Katie Stalamandis uh, so any other business this week Andrea before I leave you um let me see now um what have I been doing, <laughs> what, been doing I, what have I been listening to I don't know what I've been listening to now to be honest I'm trying to look at my Spotify here at my recently played Seems like I've not been listening to very much at all. Um, I've been reading a lot. Um, I read, tell you now what I read. I today finished um, Heartburn by Nora Ephron, uh, which was great. Really enjoyed it. Um, it'd been on my list for ages. You know, one of the, one of those books that like everybody seems to have read. Um, and I do think that there should be more novels that have recipes within them. Um, I've been listening to the Harry Potter um audiobooks when I'm like going to sleep or pottering around. Um, because I've never really listened to them. And I, I, I was sort of looking for something to just have 
in the background that like I can tune in and out of like I know I know these books so well that or or like I can fall asleep too and it doesn't matter if I fall asleep and I'm and I miss some so um I totally get I that. also read sorry go on. I totally get that I I, I do that yeah. with audiobooks as well I like to listen to things I already know because I just because you kind of drift in and out or you like fall asleep to it or whatever so you don't really exactly miss it yeah I think I think p- people have that about tv shows as well whether it's like Parks and Rec or the U.S. office or just s- something that you can have in the background and it's sort of low pressure um so that's been really nice um I was reviewing a very cool um collection of short stories called Galway Stories 2020 I think it's out soon um, that I really, really recommend people read, whether they're from Galway or not. Um, just a just an amazing uh, collection of twenty stories from Galway City, and then you know places outside of Galway. Um, just really, really brilliant. Um, and then I also read Ali Smith's uh, Winter, um, which is the second book in her seasonal quartet. Uh, the three books have come out and the fourth one is due. Uh, so spring is out. That's next on my list. And then summer will be out uh, soon. But it's a really, I, I, I don't know, if, have you ever read any Ali Smith? No, before? I haven't, no. She's a she's a re, she's like kind of a once in a generation sort of author like she's really like just oh she's doing stuff that you know is <laughs> mind-boggling to me but um this seasonal quartet's amazing because it's so it's so current they're written very 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 quickly and turned around and published very very quickly so um I mean when I was reading autumn the the Brexit vote was kind of just done or like you know only a couple of uh, a couple of months back and there's references and kind of thematic ideas around uh, Brexit and the idea of borders and the idea of um, immigration and, and things like that but it's also a very um, sort of lyrical and creative and um, a little bit absurd um, read and Winter is uh, the one I read this week um, sort of follows on from that uh you you don't need to read them in order but if anyone hasn't read Ali Smith before I recommend starting with Autumn just well I mean that's where I started so and I haven't gone wrong yet but um yeah I thought winter was amazing I'm gonna start uh spring this week now um and it's just so stunning that she turns these things around so quickly uh, in terms of watching things I watched uh, I'm still watching Ozark which I'm really enjoying it's very bleak it's very dark, um, but very enjoyable all the same. Um, and I also watched Julie and Julia, another Nora Ephron, um, uh. <laughs> which is just like the most lovely, joyous. Because I actually I saw that um, Aoife Barry was doing something with the IFI, a kind of like a watch along thing. They were supposed to do a screening, but then obviously with everything, they did like a watch along thing and I missed it. And I was like, I really must go and watch Julie and Julia. Uh, so I watched it again and it's just oh, it's so good. Um, if, if you need a hug, watch Julie and Julia. Like it's just such a joy. I, may, a I may have said this before, but there is a version of that film that doesn't have the, the uh, Julia parts julie julie yeah which one sorry am i saying oh yeah yes. i'd watch that because julie is so annoying <laughs> the the, yeah. the writer the a- yes. amy adams character yeah, is amy so adams. annoying <laughs> and I, I literally just like and i love amy adams and like i think you know she works she's 
she's good in the film she plays the part well but like her character is so annoying it's like oh my god no one cares about your blog um but Meryl Streep is just like obviously amazing as Julia Child like she's so stunning and so large and looming and yeah she's you know she's obviously she's next to Stanley Tucci who's just playing this like absolutely completely doting husband um yeah it's just it's an absolute pleasure to watch um, and it would like make sure you have food in the house though because you'll be starving watching it oh my god um speaking i think you can watch the the julia child version on vimeo somebody did an edit of it so just without the julia brilliant in case... i think i'll actually just watch that this week <laughs> <laughs> it'd be shorter anyway so you can do that um, yeah, and speaking and to bring it all back to where we started with haircuts doesn't uh, amy adams character have the worst haircut at some point in it um off really it's throughout i don't know who decided to do that to amy adams who has beautiful hair like really gorgeous hair. I don't know why they just didn't give her a normal bob. They gave her this really weird. Uh, my housemate actually thinks that she was trying to go for a um. What's that um actress's name who was in You've Got Mail? All those, all the uh, other Meg, Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Yeah, it was sort of supposed to be like a late nineties Meg Ryan cut, right. but it just didn't suit her at all. Like it looked really, really bad on her. Like it takes a lot to make Amy Adams not look stunning yeah but my god they tried so hard with that haircut. well that was one of the takeaways i remember from that film i just remember being like god it's so bad the haircut why did they do why? that to her and also her boyfriend in it is so boring why was he a character like he's so boring like imagine trying to like compete with stanley tucci as the other love interest in a film like nightmare yeah not happening not happening <laughs> yeah uh that's that's everything for me I very think. good yeah. um well i have been moving house as as we know settling into my new house uh nothing really other to report than continuing to watch the sopranos and the tv show high maintenance again and um, which is great and then uh, i started a couple of episodes of Friday Night Lights because I've heard so many things about it over the years. Um, yeah, what's it like? I've uh, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, it's good. It's good so far. Um, because I think Explosions in the Sky do the soundtrack, don't they? Yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. Yeah, you like it so. I think sometimes their music sounds a bit too like. Uh, like cheesy college rock for a show for a soundtrack no. thing it's kind of makes oh, yeah, too yeah. much of an impression on the music on the actual show but um so and i'm afraid as well that i know their music way too well for me to for it to not drag me out of the narrative if yeah i'm watching it it does you know? seem like there's a lot of interesting things in it i'm only in the first two episodes in so um we'll have to see but uh it is it's it's good. It's definitely got potential. I have not watched. You know, people are like, "Oh, I've watched so many things during the lockdown," and I've barely watched mm. anything. I think so. No, I'm basically just watching the movements. Like all the time. <laughs> you're still on your movements buzz. Oh yeah, I'm, okay. I'm very much still on the movements buzz. Yeah, fine. That's allowed. That's cool. You got your yeah. mug. Oh, do you know what I did? What I did want to say is there's an episode of Reply All. It's out a while now, but it's called. Um, I'll find it now. Um. So, do you know Reply All? You know that? Yeah. That podcast. Um, this episode follows a a guy. So, it's it's a super tech support episode, where which is a, a segment they do um, where you have a very, very extremely specific tech problem that you can't solve. So, you contact the guys and they solve it for you. 
so this guy gets in touch um and says guys i have i've had a song stuck in my head for 15 years oh i can't find the song right i've heard this it's called it's called the the case of the missing hit and the episode follows him and the two presenters of, of reply all um trying to locate the song trying to find out if it even was a song at one point um so that the guy knows that like he's got the song so much in his head that he can sing all the lyrics he knows all the instrumentation so they hire this band into this studio and he's like singing to the band being like yeah and then the bass goes like and then the drums are like this and then the band record the song and it's just it's this whole journey getting from one place to the other and I I mean I'm not going to say anything about the ending because it's amazing but if anyone hasn't listened to that episode you don't have to be a fan of that podcast or anything but I that podcast is amazing but it's just such a journey so it's uh, the case of the missing hit it's episode 158 of reply all and you can listen to it on um on Spotify definitely recommend for for music fans especially for people like for people who are interested in like the idea of an earworm or anything like that and the psychology of music um 100% recommend listening to it yeah very good it is brilliant episode and uh yeah when it came out i saw so many like pieces about it online they were like is this the best podcast episode ever like so did i and i was like it might be (laughs) i mean besides our like drake reviews that we've done um it's probably it's probably up there like it's really good andrea we nearly went a full week without you mentioning drake i come here you don't You brought him up the last time. Yeah, but we nearly went to full week and I didn't mention this I know. time. I'm just saying. I know. Cut it out. Okay. Cut, cut this section out, All right. please. All right. Um, yeah, that's it, I think. Cool. All that remains of me to do is to thank all of our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com forward slash nine um, for supporting the website and the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. You enabled us to do keep going and doing what we're doing in this time of lockdown. It means that we know that there is some money at the end of the month there for us when there is no other revenue available to us. Um, so thank you for that. Patreon.com forward slash nine nine. And uh, yeah, that's really it. I'm going to... I'm going to go and chill out tonight, I think. I'm going to go and maybe watch Succession again at some point this week. I just you know what? I might go, I might go and give it another go. Oh, yeah. Did you give up? Yeah. Well, not on purpose, but I just haven't gone back to it. But um, now I will. I saw some people tweeting about it this week and I was like, right, now I must give that another go. Yeah, do. Do. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's one of my favorite shows. At the last I'm going to make pasta years. sauce tonight. I think I think I'm in the same boat. I think I'm in the same yeah. boat. So in keeping with that, our ending song is called Take Time Tonight. It is from a Belfast producer called Moon oh. Paw Print. And we're going to leave you with it. And Andrea, thank you very much. Uh, not as long as thank last you. week. We're clocking in at about an hour and a half, probably this time, but still. Oh my. That's about the normal amount this time as we're True. doing for our podcast this week. All right. Great. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Talk to you all next we week. Bye. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Bye. Bye.
Thank you.